Well, good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, go with me to the Psalms, Psalm chapter 67. I'm going to be in a number of different passages. You'll have notes in your, in your bulletin that you can take some notes on, and they'll give you some other scriptures as well. But today I want to wrap up this series called Intentional, and I want us to understand what's happening is not by happenstance. God is up to something good in our lives. It's just a matter of clarifying it, seeing it, and then getting on board and becoming engaged in it. That's the next series. It's called Engaged. So let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, with our Bibles in our hands, our hearts open now. Please open our lives to hear the truth, take it to heart, put it into motion, and live intentionally for your glory, we pray in Christ's name. The church says amen. 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 So we've talked in the series that God is very intentional about this thing called worship. He wants us to love him, and he wants us to love our neighbors ourselves. It's connecting other people, right? So it's loving God and loving other people. And then he wants us to grow in our faith. He's very intentional about growing roots in the faith. And last week I talked about he's, he knows that one of the ways you're going to grow is by serving others in love. And uh, if you, don't have, you haven't heard those messages, you can get online. Just go to southpotomac.org and you can catch those messages online, the audio version of that. And then today what I want to talk about in the final is the fact that God's very intentional about sharing, sharing the best story in the world. We read from, from Psalm chapter 67. Look with me just at a couple of verses. May God be gracious to us and bless us. And may he make his face shine upon us. Stop there. God has been gracious to us. Has he not? Yes, he has. And he has blessed us. And this is an Old Testament passage. But we could say this is true about us too. But the psalmist knew, God, you have... Made in my heart of hearts, you have blessed me over and over. I am happy down deep. It is. Just can't get any better. And I know that full well. I know that I am blessed. And there, you know, we need to say that. It's one of, the, one of the real benefits of worship. Is sometimes we get in the rush, and we, there always are more things on the to-do list, right? There are more things that we don't have that we'd like to have, or things that we have we wish we'd get rid of. It doesn't really matter. There's a schedule. There's always more things to do. In fact... Um, occasionally I'll say to my wife, you know, I, if, if, yeah, I wish I had another arm, but it occurs to me, if I had three arms, I'd try to do things that would require four arms. And if I had four arms, I would try to do things that require me to have five arms. So the issue is learning that God has blessed me and that he's out for my good, and he puts those limits there to teach me to trust him. And in that blessed state, to know that his face shines up on me and I want my face to shine on him. And you have to stop and think about that. That's the word selah right there. Some of your Bibles have it, some don't. What that is, is that's a musical notation. Selah is a Hebrew, it's an Old Testament. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And it's a, what it is, is just a... Remember, there was, years ago, there was a Nesty commercial. Remember this commercial? Where the guy falls backwards, he's sipping iced tea and he falls backwards into a pool. Remember this? Yeah. Some of you would say, no, I don't. It's a great commercial. I just pity the guy if they had to do like retakes because it's a lot of changing clothes because every time he falls in the pool. But it's just that moment where he goes, ah, oh. all together now, one, two, three. Ah, oh. yeah, that's your nesty moment right there. This is not a paid endorsement of that product. But that's your sale moment. And the Hebrew of that is, the idea of that is just stop and think about it. That's what the word means. 
So it's pause. It's a musical notation for pause. So we are to stop and think, we are blessed. We are blessed in the highest place of God. We've been chosen by God and we've been given the best news in the world and his face shines on us. And so we want our faces to shine on his. Okay, now go to verse two. So that your ways may be known on the earth. So why are we blessed and why are we shining and why is he shining down on us? So that your ways may be known on the earth and your salvation among the nations. In other words, this isn't just for the ah moment. This is so people will come to the knowledge of who God is. And that's the best news in the world. God's very intentional about his love and his efforts to reach the very people who are furthest from him. Not that necessarily, we always think, oh, the ones that are closest. And he, he loves them too. But he loves all of his creation. So that's why Colossians chapter 4, he wants us to be wise about the way we act, particularly with outsiders. Because you have to redeem the time. You have to make the most of the opportunity in front of you. Colossians 4, 5. In Acts chapter 20, a writer right after Jesus rose from the dead wrote this. However, I consider my life worth nothing if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord's given me. And what's that task? The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. This is what Luke, the writer of Acts, says. This is my driving force of testifying the good news of Jesus Christ, of God's grace. That's our mission. That's our compelling cause. Sometimes that's called evangelism, a big word we hardly ever use. And evangelism, evangel, you can almost see the word angel. The idea of that is a good news carrier. You're carrying the good news. That's good. And that's kind of what the word means. And when he says that, he's referring to the good news of Jesus Christ. And when Jesus rose from the grave, right before he went back to heaven, Luke wrote it in this way, Luke in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, those really close to you, Judea and Samaria, that's the outlying area, surrounding area, and to the uttermost parts, or the out the outpost of your life, places you've never been before. And so when Acts is written, then when Luke writes it down, they realize it's our responsibility to reach our Jerusalem. That's our local responsibility to, to be Jesus here in this community. That's locally with all the people we come around in contact with. But that's not all. We also need to let Jesus be known outside of our comfort zone or to the next layer of people out, people who are culturally different, we live in a different neighborhood, economically different, educationally different. Someone might be a different, um, a different uh, life within our country, but, but maybe is different culturally than us. So you have this local one, it's just that we're concentric circles, the next wave out. Uh, Judea, Samaria would be the surrounding area, and then the, the rest of the world. In other words... What God wants is the good news of Jesus to go all the way around the world that everyone would know what we know, that we are blessed, we have the favor of the Lord, and they can have it too. It's a wonderful thing, and we won't stop until everybody's heard. Now, what I love about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, you are to be my, it's the word, witness. 
Interesting term. Interesting term. When you go to court, and we're not going to show hands here, how many of you have been to court, and then why. I'm not asking because I don't want to raise my hand either, okay? Just so you know. But if you go to court, there are witnesses in court, right? But there's also a judge, right? Where's the robe sits at the big desk, right? That's the judge. She's going to make the call or she's going to make the call, okay? You also have bailiff, right? And you have some uh, sheriff deputies. And then you also have a prosecuting attorney. You have a defense attorney, right? And then you have a jury, right? And has Jesus asked you to be any of those? No. He's not asking you to be judge. He's not asking you to condemn anybody. He's not asking you to even make a prosecution against anybody. He's not asking you to make a judgment call or, or make a case against somebody. He's not asking you to even to defend anybody. What he's asking you to do is witness what you do know. Tell what you know from your perspective. And so it kind of takes the pressure off us. So how are we going to do that? Well, I want to give you just three real simple things that could be action steps for us today. If you're taking notes, number one, I must share with those in my world, right within my own world. Um, Jesus one day met a guy who was demon-possessed. That's serious business. I mean, this is, this is a hard case. And he cast the demon out, and the guy was literally crazy before this when he had the demons in him. And Jesus talked to the demons. Who are you? Like, like he didn't know. And they answered, we're legion, which means many. This guy was filled with a bunch of demons. And Jesus cast them out. The guy's sitting, he's eating, drinking. He's acting normal now, but you could just imagine he's physically exhausted. And what does Jesus say to him? Luke chapter 8, verse 39 reads, he says, Jesus says to the guy, return home and tell how much God has done for you. When you go, you, you tell him what made you normal, what made your life different. That's witness. Tell those around. So why don't we do that? I'll tell you why. Um, three reasons again. We don't do it because we're afraid of being rejected. We don't want to hear no. We don't, we're afraid people won't like us or whatever it might be. But Romans chapter 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it's good news. That's, the good, that's what gospel means. It's good news. If you had good news, you would share it. So you have to view it differently. It's not bad news. You're not judge. You're not jury, right? Remember that. You are witness. And all you're saying is, this is what it did for me. It helped me. Therefore, it might help you too. And that helps lower the stress of the feeling of rejection. And even if you were rejected, so what? You still help them because maybe one day later they'll be ready for the good news. It may take you one or two or three or four times around the barn with them. Or it may take different people to help them come to know Christ. That's okay. Your job is just to be the witness. So being afraid of rejection is one. Another fear that we have is that we don't have all the answers. And I have good news for you. You'll never have all the answers People stump me all the time. Uh, Peter writes it, 1 Peter chapter 3, but in your heart set a Christ, apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give the answer to anyone who asks you the reason of the hope. In other words, you need to study, you need to look, you need to think it through, dig in. But sometimes, understand this, you won't, don't really look for an answer until someone's pressing you for it. I don't look up things just out of curiosity. I do, but I really learn when I need to know, right? And that's the way you are. It's the way most people 
So actually, when people stump you, the response is this. You know, I don't know the answer to that. That's a great question. Let me get back to you, and then you go home and study it. That's an okay thing to do. It will help you learn. It will help you grow. You'll be better for it in the long run. And you'll, you'll help your, your friend come to know Christ because you're helping him get the answers. There's a third reason that we don't tell our story, is and that's that we aren't really sure what the Heavenly Father's heart is really all about. So we don't take it seriously. Sometimes we take for granted that the Lord is patient. Have you ever had been patient with someone and then they take advantage of you? Because of that, it, that's what's happening here. And the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. He'll come back and he will come back as judge. But he is being patient with you. Why, Peter writes? Because he is, he is serious about wanting you to come to him in faith. In other words, don't think for a moment that because you haven't found judgment yet that it's never going to happen. It will. He's just being kind and patient with you. So when we get that heart and mind in place, then we're ready to, to ask the Lord, Lord, I want to speak into the lives of people around me. And that's your prayer. And by the way, we're blown right by this thing of prayer and Bible study and, and asking God to open doors. I mean, all that is happening. But while all that's happening, we still don't shelve the commandment to make sure that we tell what God has done in our lives and witness it well. So I must, number one, share with those in my world. Number two, I must dare to reach beyond my world. I have to reach beyond my world, not just with people I know, but people I don't know. Because while Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me, he also loves lots of other people. His plan is to use you and me to reach those other people. So... Paul writes to the church in Corinth, chapter 9, verse 22, I've become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the gospel, that I may share in its blessing, that I may share in the blessing. Why? I want to be what they need me to be. So when you want to talk about that, yeah, I can get to Jesus from there. That's okay. I had a conversation with a guy some time ago, and I don't usually tell people that I'm a pastor because then either they run away or they yell at me for something I can't control. Like, you know, weird people attend your church. I know that. I'm, I'm one of them. I just get over it. Yeah. Or they say, you know, so-and-so attends, and he's a criminal. And I say, you know what? We let anybody in. You might enjoy it. That's, they think about that. I met a guy, he found out I was a pastor, and, he, and he, he wasn't too sure what to think. And he said, and this guy was a carpenter, woodworker, and he, he said, so you're a preacher just like Jesus. I said, no, mm, Jesus was a carpenter. He was? Yeah. Find a way to get there. He was? Yeah, he was. I think he made some pretty cool furniture. Find a way to get there. Be whatever it is they need. As uh, getting my hair cut, sitting, you know how you sit and wait to get your hair cut sometimes? Sit down, I have a book, going to read a book. I say, hi, guy. The guy says, hey, I don't know the guy from Boo. How you doing? Good. Plans for the weekend? Yeah, yeah. We talk. And uh, so I start to read my book, but he says, so what are your plans for the weekend? I said, well, I, I'm going to a wedding. I'm doing some things. I want to say, I... I have to preach over the weekend because he'll just like run. You know, don't practice on me. So I'm going to a wedding. 
hang with the family for a bit. It's true. He, uh, somehow we got to talking about our kids. He has a son who's in the aviation program. I said, I have a buddy. And I tell him about uh, friends of ours. Juan and I have some friends who are in Liberia, and he's a pilot. And, but he's a mission pilot. He grew up in Liberia, and he's a mission pilot. His, his dad was a missionary pilot. He's a pilot now. Pretty cool. And I was, oh, okay. And he starts to tell me again about his son. And so then I go, I, I have another buddy who's in Air Force, and this guy was at Air Force. And I said, you know what? This guy worked for Air Force, and he's trained as a mechanic, and he actually got put on the Air Force One crew as a mechanic, a lead mechanic. How cool. That's your dream job. And he goes, I worked on Air Force One. What's his name? And I tell him his name. He says, I don't know him. What years was he there? I, he said, where is he now? I said, funny you should ask. I'm, I'm getting him to Jesus. Can you see this? I said, he actually quit the job because he wanted to go to a little island called Papua New Guinea. And he leads a, a bunch of mechanics there who fly planes so people can do Bible translation. And I knew that that, that may be like Herberty Diberty you know, they don't know what that is. Why do you need the Bible translated? And so I said, sometimes there's doctors and teachers. And you get that, right? And I said, but sometimes they need to translate the Bible, but they need airplanes to get in and out. Well, this guy just lit up, and he went, he, he's a real man. I'm like, how cool is that? I said, so, I said, he just, they just flew over a Kodiak, which is the name of a plane, and he's going, oh my God, you could just tell this guy's a pilot. He just wants to talk about it. Well, next thing you know, I've, I have a smartphone, and I, I pull out the phone, and I, I realize this is my chance, and I pop a picture of Amy and Amy Mark in Papua New Guinea, hold it up, he goes, I think I've seen him before at Andrews. I said, well, he's in PNG now, and then I slide it over. I said, and those are the planes he's flying. He goes, he is a man. <laughs> you find a way. You know, I don't know where the guy is spiritually. I've never seen the guy in my life. I don't, I know, I don't know that I know him. I, maybe I've never met him before. I may never see him again. My job was simply to witness to him at the moment and say to him, I'm loves mechanical work and he, he is really good and obviously proficient because he got on the Air Force One crew but he gave it up to do something even better you understand that? that and I'm saying that better is Bible translation because people need Jesus see just get him a step now I may never see him again but my job was just that step your job might be this other step another guy's job is that step another guy's job is that step Everybody wants to be right there where people come to Jesus, but it, oftentimes it takes six or eight people with their stories telling it. So you need to be what people need you to be to help them come to know Jesus. Why? Because that's why you were blessed, and that's why you're left here on earth, that all the nations would know the blessing of the Lord. Okay? We have to go keep, uh, keep moving here. Uh, I must reach those beyond my world. And that means we're going to demonstrate that by the way we carry each other's burdens, Galatians chapter 6, by religion that is faultless, that the Father accepts as pure and faultless, caring for orphans, caring for widows, single moms, um, ladies whose husbands have died, 
uh, guys whose wives have died, when we care for people without any sense of compensation, that speaks for Jesus. Jesus put it this way, Matthew 25, for when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. But even when you do the smallest things, you do them for the glory of God. Even that speaks, does it not? Nothing says I love you quite like some food and some clothing and a place to stay. I think about just what we've done in safe nights here in the middle of winter. We'll have homeless people here. You've done English as a second language. We've done the shoebox projects. Um, right now we're, we're looking at real hard at the adoptive school in the community. And, and you know what? We are happier doing those things, but we do them for the glory of the Lord. I, I came into safe nights one night and... and uh, it's winter housing homeless people in the middle of winter. We usually get them mid-January. And, and we love doing it. And we have a host of crew. And you're probably part of that crew, but it doesn't. I walked in one night about 10 or 11 at night. And our volunteers were having a party. They're reading books and talking and having snacks and playing cards and just having a great time. And it didn't even feel like work. And yet, they're helping people understand who Jesus is as they're meeting their needs. So... I must dare to reach beyond just my own comfort zone. And then ultimately, third layer phase out would be, I, I have to care about the whole world. Matthew 28, I have to care about the entire world. You go and you make disciples and you baptize them and you teach them everything I've commanded you. Because if you want to gain your life, you give it up for Jesus. And if you want to keep your life, you can do that, but it's never going to last. But if you'll... Give your life for the sake of the gospel. Your life will have absolute meaning. Now, I want to draw this down. How can I do that personally? How can I do that this week? I want you to watch about a two-minute clip, and then we're going to come back and give you three ways you could do that. Okay? Take a look at the clip. Together, we can change the story, but it's up to us to do that this week. To have eyes to see it for what it is. Those are days we make opportunities our very best friends. Make the most of the opportunities. Sadiq's going to give us a threefold uh, strategy here. Everybody say good morning, Sadiq. Good morning. So a lot of times Dave was talking about this, this word evangelism and how important it is to, to share the good news of the gospel. And the, what God wants us to do is to be able to tell his story, you know, what God has done, who God is. But sometimes it gets difficult for us. You know, we, we might present it and it's a little dry or, you know, we just don't know how to say it. But sometimes we can be a lot more passionate about our own stories. And so one of the strategies is that you could simply learn to tell your own story. You know, Paul was really good at doing this. If you look at Acts 9, 1 through 22, he wrote tons of verses, which, which was like a journal that captured his story. And if you look a little bit later, Acts 9, 26 through 30, he did it in just a few sentences. It was like a paragraph. But I really love Acts 13, 47, because Paul managed to tell his whole story in a, in a sense. He said that I have come to share the gospel to the Gentiles, and that is the reason that I was saved. And so a lot of times when we're trying to figure out, you know, exactly how to, because we care about the world, how we're going to communicate that. We just need to tell our own story, exactly what God has done for us. And next thing you could do is just simply tell it in a presentation. You know, just learn a, a simple 
presentation that, you know, John 3, 16 and 17 is a great one. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And I love 17 because it says that God didn't come to the world to condemn it. But through God, through Christ, he wanted to rescue all of us. And it's because God knows that we all failed him. That's a part of that presentation. We failed him. But because of him, he decided to send a remedy. He decided to send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. And that's as simple as the presentation can be. And the great thing about it is that because we know that Jesus came here, because he died for our sins, we now have faith. We now have hope. You know, it was like the worship team was saying, we can now be intentional because God was intentional. We could go out and tell people and, and create that presentation. And you can also use some, some scripture to go along with that. I, I shared John 3, 16. You know, you can use Romans 5 and 8. You can say 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. I mean, there are tons of scripture. Dave even did a whole series on grace, where it is by grace through faith that you have been saved. And that's just great information, great news, because it's true that you can share with other people. And so the third strategy is simply invite somebody to church. You know, we can invite people to just about anywhere else. If we want to hang out, you know, football season is about to start. Come on, let's watch the game together. You know, if we want to go out and have a good time. But truth be told, because this world is perishing, man, how great would it be because we care about the world to simply just invite people to church? Nobody in here has all the answers. But the great thing is that God has given everybody a, a segment of revelation to expose the truth of who he is to other people through his word. And so when you're inviting people to church, man, we set up places in a, in, a, in a prayer corner and it's a safe place. Church, that's the great thing about churches is that it's a safe place. You can be honest. You can be open. You can be transparent. You can be real about what you're going through. You can share it with other people. And so when you're really trying to figure out exactly how you can share your faith, how you can go ahead and and be concerning about what's going on in the world. It's not just responding to what's going on on Facebook. But the true way to do it is to tell your story, because you're going to be passionate about your story. It's to learn a simple presentation, because it's all throughout Scripture. And it's to invite somebody to church. And I think through those days, mm -hmm. I think not only will this church be great, but I think also the universal church will be great yep. because we're putting God first. Yep. yep. Thank you, so, Sadiq. Anyway, I'm going to tell somebody about church. I'll see you later, Dave. Goodbye. <laughs> Woo! So I want you to go back to Psalm 67. We're going to read it together. And, uh, but I just want to remind you of, of Acts chapter 1. You are the witness. You're the one who's going to tell your story. And understand this, you can't win the case if you don't tell your story. Just that simple. So don't clam up, don't shut up, don't fold. Tell your story. And however it turns out, that's okay. Because you're the witness. In your world, beyond your world, and all the way around the world. Let's stand together and let's read this passage, shall we? Would you stand with me? And let's make it our benediction and our prayer. Praise team, would you come? Together, would you read? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Selah. 
that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. Psalm 67, 1 and 2. May God bless you.